glad everyone found us. Isn't this beautiful? Has anyone never not been in here before? Isn't it beautiful? We love being in here. It's just um, the seats always, aren't always that comfortable. But August is amazing. She and I, that last song that we sang, um, I asked her if she, if she would learn that for today. And she's like, of course I will. I mean, but she's so brilliant. So it is such a beautiful song. And it's on... Um, Brian and Jen Johnson's new album, After All These Years, and it's called For the One, if you want that. I just, I love it. I've listened to it. The first time I heard it was when I went to Bethel last spring, and Jen was debuting the song just on stage. And I was like, that is the, one of the most powerful songs. Because, I mean, what a beautiful prayer. It's, uh-huh, it's called For the One. It is. And what a prayer, you know, let my life just tell of who you are. And I thought that's just, that's the message for the day. Because today, today's about, you know, Jesus, the son, who can do nothing apart from his dad. But I want us to do just a really quick check-in before I start um, speaking. Because then we're going to ask the same question at the end. Oftentimes, y'all, we're, we're going through our day and we're not even, like, checking our own radar. It's kind of like taking our temperature. You know, we've got so many things on our to-do list that we're not stopping to pause and be like, okay, where am I? So I want you to just pause, and I want you to, there's no right or wrong answer, but I want you to pause and just get this picture. You can write it down if you want to, but I want you to have the picture now, and then we're going to check in about that picture later. So just close your eyes, and I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, show me how I see the Father. Just let it, and it'll be quick. And then I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, where am I in relation to where the Father is? Okay, so that's that, just one little check in there. And you may think, wow, that's not the picture I thought of. I want you to remember we're asking the heart. I know in your mind you may think things about the Father, but I want to check in with your heart of where you really feel you are in relation. Because uh, we'll ask that question again after, after I've spoken for a little bit. But as I was preparing for this lesson, the Lord brought up this memory for me that I honestly had not thought about. It's so cool how God does that because it's really fun to revisit our past with Him. But the memory was I was um, probably just shy of my 10th birthday. And it's during hurricane season. I grew up in Corpus Christi. I don't know if any of y'all have ever grown up on the Gulf Coast. But... When hurricane season would come around back then, I just have to remember, we don't have the technology that we have now. So hurricane season came around, and every year we'd get out this big magnetic board. And on this board, it would have the, the land mass around the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico, and then it would have all these coordinates, and the, the water was white. But it would have all the latitude and longitude coordinates. And, and my dad would get out the um, weather band radio, which was had a little antenna, and it was real staticky, and... And every day they would listen for coordinates of a hurricane because living right there on the water, you needed time to prepare. And um, we obviously we had a television and the news, you know, would, would come on and update or show pictures of it. But as the storm was getting closer, there was this one storm that developed called Hurricane Allen. And what was unusual about Hurricane Allen is they would call it a, um, a very rare Cape Verde storm. And it, he, I think the sustained uh, mile-an-hour winds around the eye were 190 miles an hour. So it was one of the most powerful hurricanes that had entered the Gulf, and it took up the entire Gulf of Mexico. And as we're tracking in these little red magnets, that eye is heading straight for Corpus Christi. 
So it began at that time preparations. We, we boarded our house, you get plywood, you boarded up your house, you got supplies. Back then, you know, we didn't leave. I, I don't know what the, I, we just didn't. You just didn't leave, you stayed and you secured everything. So I remember um, the night, the hurricane, it always seems like the eye's gonna pass through in the middle of the night. I don't know why, but it just seems to happen that way. So as the eye is gonna pass through that night, my parents, my mom and my dad and my sister and I get downstairs in our downstairs bedroom and we've got our pets. We have two cats, Sweet Pea and Boutisse, and they're in a picnic basket. And then we have our dog, who's a chocolate lab named Chalk. And we're all in the interior bedroom and you begin to hear the storm start to whip and you can hear it through the plywood. You can hear the, the house creaking and, and everything going on and my dad's got the radio going and what we're listening for at this point is because a lot of times a hurricane it spins off tornadoes and that's what happened about 10 years prior hurricane celia hit corpus christi and it was the costliest hurricane in in history until i think 2005 and that hit two months prior to, to my birth so my mom was seven months pregnant i don't know what the deal is with me and hurricanes but um Anyway, so this, this is happening, and I remember, I, I have a picture of us being in that room. It's dark. We've lost electricity at this point. We've just got this little radio going, and I remember falling asleep, and I remember thinking, well, Daddy's listening. Daddy's watching, and we're all here together, and it's safe. I'm sure my mom was thinking different things. I'm sure my dad, but my daddy was, was keeping watch. He was vigilant. And I was sleeping because that's what children do. You know, we were all together. To me, it was like a big slumber party. Everything's good. The storm wasn't defining how I felt. I was, I was with my dad and my mom. So I want to introduce you to another child that was sleeping through a storm. If you open up your Bibles to Matthew 8, 23, we meet another child. His name is Jesus, and he's sleeping through a storm. And... On Matthew 8, 23, they all get into a boat and begin to cross over the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep in the boat, in the bow. Suddenly, a violent storm developed with waves so high, the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up, saying, Save us, Lord. We're going to die. I loved how the Lord um, correlated this for me. Because Jesus, one of the beauty... Of, under, of really looking at the life of Jesus Christ is how he relates to the Father. You know, all of the power and the miracles and the healings that he carried come out of direct relationship with his communion with the Father. So there he is sleeping in the boat because he knows his Father's keeping watch. You know, he's not reacting to the circumstances. He's going to respond out of his perfect communion with the Heavenly Father. And what I think about this is that there's so many keys that we can really look at um, about Jesus' relationship with his dad that give us keys on how to relate to the Father. Because the cry of our hearts is really, what is Daddy like? What is Papa really like? I think if, uh, um, sometimes that's where the doubt comes in, is, is Papa really for me? Is Papa God really for me? You know, we realize that our earthly parents are fallible. Our earthly parents are not going to be the exact representation of the Father. But because we live in the flesh and because we get wounded, we have a tendency to um, stick that on Father God. Well, that he's this way. 
But Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's come as the exact representation of the Father. And I'm going to apologize now that we don't have the board. I've got a lot of scripture, so I might be jumping around a little bit. But in John 5.30, Jesus says, I have chosen to do nothing on my own, but to fulfill the desires of my Father who sent me. Here's the first key. Jesus understood he was never alone. That doesn't mean that he did not seek times of being alone, but he was not lonely. Being alone and being lonely are two very different things. Jesus saw the need. The need was great, but there are times that he knew he needed to get alone with the Father. But he did not believe that he was lonely or isolated. And the difference is sometimes we move out of loneliness. And I will tell you that's the enemy's, one of his favorite tools is to isolate us. To make us feel that not only are we alone, but we're lonely. That no one's for us, no one is with us. That we're having to figure all this out on our own. But Jesus understood that he was never alone. Even though he spent times with his father, which allowed him to keep his relationship with his father priority. Even though the need was great, he didn't focus on the need, he focused on the father. He focused on the Father so then he could meet the need. And sometimes that meant pulling back and taking that quiet time with the Lord. He knew that he could never be separated from his Father. Here's the trick for us. Is that we know in Romans 8 it says nothing can separate us from the Father. Nothing. We've been through that. We know death, sin, whatever it is, nothing's going to separate us. But the trick is we believe that we're separated You know, sometimes we believe that we're separated. We don't believe that we're not. You know, it's not really that um, what we know and think, that doesn't move and define us. It's really what we feel and believe. If I believe that I'm separated from my Father, then I act in separation. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Okay. Um, So it's really only your belief that could ever separate you from God. God does not remove himself. I mean, he made that very clear that... That when, when Jesus came as the exact representation, he said, your father's never going to leave you or forsake you. I will not do that, and neither will he. But for us, it's isolating. Have I believed? I mean, here's, here's a good question. Father, have I believed that I'm, that I'm separated from you? Because that's the only thing that could separate you is your own belief that you are. It's not anything that you do. It's not anything, honestly, that you feel. It's what you're believing. <clears throat> You know, if I believe that I'm alone, um, then the enemy probably isn't going to have to do much to really torment me because I'm going to just sort of do that a little bit on my own. If I believe that I'm alone, if I believe that I'm separated, then I'll just start acting in that way. Versus if I uh, realize it's okay to feel lonely, but at the same time move towards your healing community. You know, sometimes we start to feel like, well, I feel lonely, I feel alone, and we, we pull and withdraw ourselves even further. And that's where the enemy really can, can do some damage. Because then you're not even uh, moving towards getting truth. You're just letting yourself feed into this place of really self-pity. And self-pity is demonic. Because it's all about focusing on you, and it takes your eyes completely off of the Father. The power of Jesus Christ, the freedom of Jesus Christ was sustained by his relationship. I think the other key about um, Jesus and his relationship with, with the Father was that he knew that his mission here on earth was uniquely appointed by his Father to him. He knew 
that his mission here on earth was unique. So you never find um, Jesus comparing himself. You know, comparison is really the great crippler. Like you never see Jesus say, well, I don't look like everybody else. Jesus knew he was different and he embraced that. He brought that. He did not want the world to define him. He was ready to be different. He knew that his mission here on earth was appointed by the Father and it was unique to him. See, y'all, we don't sometimes have enough faith in our own uniqueness and how the Father has commissioned us to do uniquely what he's asked only us to do. We're so busy comparing ourselves to everyone else and, and sort of wallowing in the fact that we may look different or things may look different that we're missing out on the blessing of our, our commissioning of what we're supposed to be doing. And we're not stepping into our calling because we're allowing ourselves to look around. And we're allowing circumstances in comparison to define us versus our relationship with the Father. You know, I, I can't do what you can do and you can't do what I can do. It's all different. And I think the hardest part about that that we see is... Um, in social media, which I think can be used for a lot of great things, but I think it's brought that element of comparison really up to the surface. And um, I'm going to share Tori's for a second, if you don't mind telling them this, Tori. We were having lunch the other week, and she said, you know, I took Instagram and, and Facebook off my phone. And she said, so now when I go, you know, to think about that, I just pray. And I thought, what a great tool, because you can get swamped into that so quickly, and then you don't even realize that you are comparing yourself to others. But comparison, it cripples your relationship with him. It moves you out from under him. It crushes the intimacy with the Father. The other thing I think that's important about Jesus, Jesus completely trusted his Father, so he was never on the defensive, but always on the offensive. In other words, he knew that his whole um, time here on earth was to expand kingdom family. So you never see Jesus get so offended or um, angry that he can't move towards people. He's always on the offensive. That doesn't mean he doesn't get hurt. It doesn't mean that he doesn't get crushed. But he, he gets his power and his strength from his relationship with the Father. Um, last night before I was going to bed, I, we're, my husband and I were talking about something, kind of an ongoing thing, not between us, but kind of extended family thing. And it just, it's one of those things that just feels heavy. And as I was going to bed, I thought, okay, I, 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 number one, I don't want to be thinking about this the night before I have to get up to wag. I feel like it, this always kind of comes around. But I thought, second of all, I was like, no, like I'm not going to go there. And so we have this little tool in... Um, in inner healing or just in healing in general, which I'm going to share with you because it's a, it's, a, it's a weapon, actually. I don't want to call it a little tool. It's a weapon. So what you do is you close your eyes and you go, and we can do it right now. You go to your favorite place. Just go to your favorite place on earth, wherever that is. And then you just invite Jesus into that place with you. And then you can invite the Father in. And then you can have a conversation. So for me, what that looked like was I went to this place up in the mountains that I love, and Jesus was there, and the Father came, and the Father sat down, and I just crawled up into his lap. And it just felt so good to just get up in his lap. And then he pulled out this book, and it, was kind of, it, was a, it wasn't like a, 
you know, our books are flat, but it was, it was like a book that was alive. It had all these colors, and it was gold. Things were, it was vibrant and moving and energetic. And, and he opened the book, and I said, what, Papa, what is that book? And he said, it's our story. And he said, and it's my favorite story. And I fell asleep with that, you know, where it would have been so easy for me to allow my mind to ruminate. And, you know, our minds want to get stuck, and they want to meditate I don't know if y'all do this, but I mean, if there's a problem, like I'm a problem solver and I can really get going and it's, I call it the carousel of lunacy. I'm like, ah, I just want out of the trap, you know, but the way to stop that is to do what I did, what you call the manual moment. God with us, you, you say, all right, no, wait a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to use, you know, we have sanctified imagination. So I'm going to use my imagination. Lord, show me where you are. Let's go to one of my favorite places. And then God gave me that. And I will tell you. Even though that situation isn't changed, I woke up with that on my heart, thinking about the Lord telling me it's our story and it's my favorite story. So that I could then come here and minister from a place like that versus ministering from a place where I feel like, oh my gosh, I've got all this other stuff I've got to figure out, I've got to worry. Y'all, we have to tell our minds to be still. We have to tell our minds to be still. We have to know that... The Father hears us. The Father wants to intersect with us. He wants to converse with us. I love in in John 11, um, Jesus is going to, you know, he's caught up with Mary and Martha because Lazarus has passed away. And as he's approaching the tomb, you know, he's sad. I love this part because you really see his humanity. He's sad. He's crying. But more importantly, when he goes to pray and he tells him to roll away the stone because he's going to pray for Lazarus, the first thing on his mouth, he says, Father, thank you that you've heard my prayer. He's moving out of his place of relationship towards the issue. He's not saying, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Okay, uh, you know, he, he's, that's not where he's moving from. He's moving from that place of relationship towards the issue which is Lazarus, you know, and then he goes on to say, thank you, Father, that you've heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak. And y'all, the same thing applies to us. The Father is listening to every word we speak. He hears us. He sees us. And if we understand that, then we don't have to be put on the defensive. Then it takes us out of the battle. I mean, yes, there are sometimes we're called to go in and battle, but for the most part, you're called into a place of resting with Him. And if we can really understand that, then we're not going to be worn out. We're not going to feel scattered. We're not going to feel like we don't know what to do or what to say. Because when we move from that place of, Father, thank you that you hear me, that you hear every word that I say. I love it. Look at the little kids coming out to look at the. It's just, yes, enjoying Daddy's creation. Um, That's our power place, that we move out of relationship with him. You know, the other key that I found was that Jesus believed he was who his father called him to be, and he believed his father. This is an interesting piece because when you look in Matthew 3 and 4, you see John the Baptist, he's baptizing Jesus, and then the heavens open up, and the father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And literally, you turn your, the thin little piece of paper in, in Matthew 4. It's like then the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness. And there he is dealing with the enemy. And the first two questions, the enemy comes to him from a place of, if you're the son of God. He challenges his identity. 
That's the first place that he gets challenged. And he not only challenges him there, but it actually challenges him for the rest of his ministry. In fact, he dies because people believe he's committing blasphemy by saying that, you know, the, the father, by calling God his father, by saying that he's the son. So he actually ends up dying for that, for that declaration of, I am God's son. Which means, y'all, that the enemy is going to challenge your identity. Well, if you're really a child of God, then you wouldn't talk to your kids that way. Well, if you really love God, you wouldn't speak to your husband that way. Well, if you really love God, then you wouldn't have um, handled that situation that way. I, do y'all ever hear stuff like that? I do. I'm like, ah, okay, no, wait, God, what are you saying? You know, that's where we have to catch that and move out of that. And believe and know that we are God's children. Romans 8, 16, you know, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that, yes, indeed, we are children of the Lord. And we come from that place of relationship. You know, the enemy's going to work to devalue you constantly because... Um, If you understand what threatens him the most is your intimacy with the Father. Yesterday when I just happened to be listening to, I was listening to the Bethel podcast. I was doing uh, book work and Bill Johnson, I was listening to one of his talks and he was talking about he um, had gone overseas. He has a good friend over there. He's a prophet. And his prophet friend had called him up on stage and he's like, I normally don't you know, let someone do that. But because we're such good friends and have had a long history, I I let him do this. And he said... um, He began to speak over Bill and said, you know, you have had um, an attack of death on your family for quite a while. And he has. I mean, he got very sick. Actually, last year when I was at Bethel, he, it was right before they discovered how really, really sick he was. He had an intestinal issue that really almost cost him his life. Um, He said, you know, he he talked about that. He talked about um, last year his daughter was, uh, had a serious situation. She was in, within two days of, of possibly passing away. And then he was um, in Europe when his mother got really, really sick. And, and so the prophet said, you know what irritated the enemy the most through all that time? And Bill said, you know, he would not have known this because this, he didn't share this with his friend, but his, God was showing his friend. He said, all the times that through all of that, you laid on your bed and you glorified God. Through all of that. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, there are times that things get really, really rough. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on in 2017, but it has been a, I have like had some major just situations that I've been put in, not directly with our family, but ministering with other people. And um, if I took all that on, just me, it would crush me. And I have to move out of my relationship with the Lord and always glorifying the Father. You know, our job is to testify, glorify, and declare his goodness. That's all he asks us to do. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. That's exactly what Jesus did. He came and he testified to the Father's goodness. He glorified God and he declared God's goodness. And if you really want to just irritate the enemy, is you cause him and you tell him to sit down and watch you worship the Father. And you remain intimate with your Father. And you give God the glory. Because I will tell you something. Your relationship with your Father is the abiding reality. Your relationship with your Father is the abiding reality. I could have taken that conversation last night and really allowed it to make me feel heavy. But I thought, no. What's reality is 
The father saying, come to me. Hide in the shadow of my wings. I mean, the father says it all the time. Psalm 34, come hide. Come hide in me. Hiding meaning come, sit with me. Let me hold you. Let me show you how I see this. He's our abiding reality. I love how how incredibly intentional Jesus was that he would know, that we would know, that he and the Father are one. Jesus really, he wasn't, um, it wasn't to him about that, that, yes, we have all the miracles and the deliverances and all of that, but his heart was that you all would know how much he loved his daddy. He says that. He says, and John, you know, for me, I want everyone to know how much I love my father. That was his whole heart. It's that, that same song that we just sang, For the One. And the night before Jesus is um, going to be arrested and, and crucified, he's spending time with his disciples, and they're, they're having supper. And to me, it's one of the most beautiful uh, times when John records Jesus' prayers. And in John uh, 17, 20 through 26, Jesus begins to pray for us. And I want, I'm going to read it, and I want you to listen to what he's praying for. He's, he's praying for oneness, for us to be one with him and the Father. And if we can get a hold that that's our abiding reality, I really believe that the glory of God will, will just follow us, much like in the book of Acts where they were just getting healed by Peter and Paul and their shadows simply because they uh, lived in the constant revelation and relationship of, of being with the Lord. Jesus says, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you've given to me, I have given to them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to reign at our side. For I want them to be where I am. Then they will see my full glory. The very splendor you've placed upon me. Because you've loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous Father. But the unbelieving world has never known you. In the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you sent me. I've revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them, so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. I love that because. Y'all, our whole purpose is experiencing the oneness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I want the results. I, I want to see uh, people healed of cancer miraculously. I want to see limbs straightened miraculously. I want to see the miracles. But my heart really needs to be pursuing Him. 
so that I'm moving out of that place of relationship and I'm not results driven. Because if I'm results driven, then it gives the enemy the ability to come in and twist it. Because then I will start to feel like I'm alone. I can start comparing. I will um, maybe start doubting who the Father says I am if I'm results driven. It's very different when you come from relationship versus results. Jesus wasn't about results, he was about relationship. So if we go back to that um, vision that I had, had in the very beginning where y'all, I had y'all ask the Father how you saw him, sometimes you may, it may not be a very, uh, maybe it may feel like, well, he was really far off. Or maybe it felt like he was, you know, really, really big and you were really small or you couldn't approach him. But I, I want to do it again because we're also going to get in that place and ask Jesus if there's anything you might need to forgive your earthly father for. Because a lot of times, um, how we perceive or have felt about our earthly fathers becomes a stumbling block to getting to our heavenly father. We, we know that our earthly fathers don't resemble our heavenly father. But our hearts, remember I talked about, you know, what we think really doesn't define us. It's more what we feel and what we believe. So when we do these little exercises, it's just giving you an opportunity in a space and a time that's set aside for you to check in. Because you may think, well, I, you know, I've forgiven uh, my father for lots of things. But that's the beauty about the Lord is that he kind of takes us back and say, well, there's this one little thing. Because his whole journey with us is to draw us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into him. It's not like, wow, I've seen the father and that was enough. I mean, Jesus kept going back for more and more and more of the father. Which means... We only have this much. You know, I, I want to have more. Because the more of the Father that we're able to bring into this broken world, the more of his glory will be expanded. And God, you know, he wants everyone in on this. I mean, we heard the prayer of Jesus that, that he wants us to be carrying his presence so much that it just begins to draw people. Who is, who is this Jesus? And what is Papa God really like? He's safe. He's loving. He's passionate. He's extraordinary. So if you don't mind just taking a few minutes, let's just go back to that. Um, let's go back and ask Jesus. So let's just close our eyes. Jesus, show me how I see the Father. Now, let's ask Jesus. Jesus, would I benefit from forgiving my earthly father in any way? And if you feel like, yes then you might want to just say, Jesus, then let's just take an account of what I feel is really owed to me by my earthly father. So Jesus would love to be able to pay your earthly father's debt to you. Would you be willing to accept his blood as payment for any debt that your earthly father may have towards you? And if the, if the answer is yes, then you would just repeat, Jesus, I accept your blood as payment for my earthly father's debt. Wash your blood through all these circumstances, through all these things done and not done, these things said and not said. I release my earthly father to you. 
He no longer owes me. Wash me and cleanse me of all that unrighteousness. So now ask Jesus, Jesus, show me how I see my Heavenly Father. And once you're there, then you get to ask Papa God, Papa, what, what is it you want me to know about myself? And let him speak to you in that place. encourage you to write down um, anything that you've gotten today and if you want more prayer if you want more prayer or you felt like you got stuck then just stay I'm going to pray over us but then just stay and we'd love to pray over you Ann and I are here Lindsay um, any of us can pray with you for that so Father I thank you for your heart for us Lord Father, I thank you that we're all walking out of here today with deeper understanding of how much you want to pursue us and be in our everyday life, how much your passion is for us, how you have uniquely uh, designed each and every one of us to look different, and I ask that you would give us the courage to embrace our difference and, and have the courage to be the light of this world. And Father, I ask that throughout this next week, maybe there have been some habits that we've had that have pulled us away from you. And would you just ask Holy Spirit to bring those up and show us how to change those? Show us how to do some things differently or show us how to let some things go? Because Father, in the end, we don't, we don't want anything to be impeding our relationship with you. And Father, I also ask that you just give each one of these women more and more moments with you, Lord. That as, as if things get stirred up in them or they start to feel sad or frustrated or, or angry, Lord, that you immediately bring to their remembrance that Emmanuel moment where they can invite you into a favorite place and that you all can begin to speak and talk together and that they can... can can then move from that place towards whatever is happening in their life. So I just send them out with protection and love and encouragement and hope. And we bless you, Jesus, and thank you. Amen.